Card presents Back Issue Bloodpath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Padula Neal. Once upon a time, there was a woman that could fly. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Petula Neal. <laughs> this week, sorry, a little throw me there. It's like it was almost you were asking a question. I'm Petula Neal. Is that who I am? I think so. Okay. <laughs> this week, we got a great show for you. We're looking back at a classic two stories from Uncanny X-Men during the over a decade long run with Chris Claremont on the book. Of course, we've covered a number of Chris Claremont stories before, but this time we're looking at two individual single issue stories that are thematically connected. One is considered a sequel to the other. It's Life Death and Life Death 2, Uncanny X-Men 186 and 198 respectively. Written by Chris Claremont with artwork by Barry Windsor Smith. And it's not just the pencils. He does the inks. He does the colors. He does it all for this one. Petula, had you ever read these two issues of Uncanny X-Men before? I believe I had a long time ago. Yeah. And I don't know if it was in some like Omni-Buy type thing. I don't. Or maybe it was on. It was probably on Marvel Unlimited when I'm talking about. I've had a subscription since 2011. Yeah, it was probably on this damn app. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, see, for me, it's funny because this is actually the first time I've read either of these issues. This is in like a blind spot section of Claremont's X-Men run. For some reason, I never read too many issues between 180 and 200. Don't know why. Just never came up for some reason. And uh, yeah, I had known about these two issues because they were both Storm-centric. And if you're a fan of Claremont's run on the X-Men, you know that probably his two favorite characters by the end of writing the book were Wolverine and Storm. Storm is one that he had a lot of attention to, and it's because he kind of had this idea of she's such a powerful character that she's someone who kind of took on the goddess persona to control her abilities because her emotions affected them. And this is kind of an exploration of that, but it's also kind of more defining the struggles that Storm has gone through. And it was also a very interesting time because I have read the issues that led up to this before. They decided to do something different with Storm around, I'd say, 172 is when it started happening is that they decided, hey, Storm should start embracing her emotions and living life. And she kind of goes and she gets a makeover. She becomes the punk storm version she has a very queer coded relationship with yukio in japan and it's seen as an experimental phase and it's actually kind of done very much like someone going through an lgbtq lifestyle change at that time whereas kitty pride was very heavily affected by it and how she felt like how some people reacted to when people were coming out in the 80s and how they just couldn't understand they were making it about themselves and Storm was kind of telling her friends, hey, this is still me. I'm trying to start living my life. My powers can't dictate my life anymore. And she was finding a way to bring those two parts of her life together, her real identity and her emotions and her powers, her responsibility. But then the issue before this 185, she loses her powers because of Henry Peter Gyridge trying to use an experimental weapon made by Forge to take away the powers of Rogue, who was a wanted fugitive, being part of the Brotherhood originally. 
and Storm pushed her out of the way. She took the hit, and Forge found her body in the water, and he rescued her because he knows that he's the reason why she was in peril in the first place. And so that's the setup for this story, and we start in Forge's home, which is like this fortress penthouse apartment, three levels, decked out with technology. Forge is a new character. We don't really know much about him at that time, only that his heritage is Cheyenne, and that he doesn't really observe that, that he's, he's someone who's actually kind of almost ashamed of his past and his heritage and the way he acts. And Storm has lost these powers and is now trying to figure out if she wants to live and what this loss of powers means to her. So it's pretty heavy stuff, and it's uh, a really big character piece. First of all, Forge in this, it, it's a tough look for our guy, Forge. Oh, yeah. He's the... <laughs> <laughs> But just to quickly put a, a a slight button on the assessment of how he feels about his background. You know what? What I do like, and I don't know if this was a deliberate choice or not, is that sometimes when they put in characters from a background that probably doesn't match what the majority of the Marvel bullpens like, they really try and whiff, uh, making him uh, a total kind of all about technology and that's his identity and his... Uh, ethnicity has nothing to do with sort of his day-to-day is probably the best move they could have done, especially <laughs> back at this time. Right. But also in the rear view, it does align probably with a lot of people who, whether they were displaced or as we know in Canada, the whole residential school thing, there's like the whole, the lost generation within the generation after that of people who have no connection to their background because right. the people who would have passed that down to them weren't able to or just so traumatized and had been forced to forget the language, forget the customs, blah, blah, etc. So they accidentally did a better job <laughs> of <a> portrayal <laughs> back in the day than they probably were planning to. Uh, and the other thing with portrayal characters, we'll just, I'll talk about this up front once and then I'll, I'll try not to harp on it too much. Uh, in some panels, Storm is literally a whole white woman. The art is great, but this was um, not even a whole white, a whole white man halfway through applying contour. Literally, like the eyebrows at some points look like if you've ever watched somebody do drag and if they're like beating out their eyebrows to the point where they're using like a glue stick before they paint over them, it literally looks like the first line when you add the new eyebrow. But like nose is tiny in some panels. Her her skin is wider than probably the paper this was printed on. And then in <laughs> other ones, <laughs> she's got a bit of a tan. And then other ones, it's like, oh, a negress. So you know what? I'm just going to say it once. Can't win them all. She looks great, but yeah. she's not. Right. She's not what she's supposed to be. But that's happened many times. The storms has happened before. It's happened again. It's happened recently. And it will happen again in the future. Sometimes they just, whoever's drawing her just decides, I'm going to make a white lady and call her Storm. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but this, I would say, in terms of like standalone drama, just emotional. Uh, but, and again, to your point, the house is almost another character in this like beautiful, like the clear windows and the, you can make parts of the floor appear, disappear. The space in and of itself becomes a mirror for what she's going through with Forge and that she thinks she knows. She thinks she can see everything that's going on, but she can't see a damn thing. Yeah. In Forge's mind, he's being very vulnerable 
because he is revealing parts about his life, talking about Vietnam and things like that. So in his mind, he's being very vulnerable. But, of course, he's leaving out the most important piece of information, and that is that he created the weapon that took away her powers. And that he basically made a deal with Gyridge that let Storm stay here and recover because I don't want you to put her in prison. So he is basically working with the government who are trying to antagonize and defeat the X-Men. There's a great betrayal. And of course it's there, but it's interesting because uh, you probably saw on the cover of the book, that issue, Life, Death, the subtitle is A Love Story. And that to me is the weirdest thing is that they finally, this is the first time ever where they've actually had Storm have a possible romantic partner. Putting aside the queer-coded Yukio story, uh, the, because that was technically a fling in Japan. But this is the idea of inviting a romantic suitor into Storm's life, something that they haven't done before in the comics because she's almost been held up as like too perfect a woman for any mere mortal to date sort of thing in the way she's been presented in the Claremont run. And this is the first chance she gets at a shot at love, the most complex, you know, filled with deception kind of situation it is it is a hard life for storm here that this is her first chance now as the story grows and forge comes back into the comics forge becomes a better person he gets a shot at redemption everything like that and at one point is almost married to storm and by a lot of x-men fans is storm's favorite boyfriend there's a lot of people that prefer forge to the later Black Panther story because, well, Storm and Black Panther did a lot of lying to each other in those stories. But just it's so interesting that it starts out in such a position where it's like, wow, this is not a love story at all. Listener, if any of you have ever played, like, I guess, Sims, there's different char characters and there's different kinds of love stories. There's, you know, soulmates love story. There's whatever, like, instant like physical attraction love story there's also toxic love story and i feel mm. like this one it does all of those swings it's you have almost kind of love bomby type behavior in the beginning you have like a straight out of a rom-com she comes down the stairs in a beautiful dress moment where he's so aghast he like can't even handle himself and she gets and, embarrassed and goes and changes yeah yeah his reaction is like too too much and not enough and it makes her feel ridiculous and she goes back and changes into like a jumpsuit which actually i love the jumpsuit <laughs> she literally changes from her straight drag back into her like lesbian drag it's it's <laughs> It's so perfect. This whole thing being called a love story, I think, again, this is a sign of the times. A hundred percent, I'm sure the people working on this back then did see this as a love story. It's just like a, a star-crossed situation, but instead of it being uh, I was going to say Romulans and we're watching Love Story. <laughs> <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Romeo, not Romeo not, not Juliet. Romulans. No. <laughs> Instead of Romeo and Juliet. Romulans have, and Vulcans. That's what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> you you have my bad friendly fire, babes. <laughs> you know, the, the, the weapon that took away your powers. <laughs> that me. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't and, but meant I'm to not hit gonna you. Tell it was you. meant to hit the person beside you. Sure, that was your friend, yeah. but you know, it wasn't meant for you. Yeah. yeah, and also I'm not gonna tell you how much I know about this whole rogue situation and that the bad guys like know that you're here and they uh probably want me to make another gun to do this again 
and all of this like he does not acknowledge that to her directly while she's in a pretty messed up vulnerable space and again to her point part way through she's like I, I should have at least called charles like i was so messed up i didn't even like phone a friend yeah because you made me feel safe initially that was my bad i should have not stayed here like yeah. it was that it is categorized as a love story back then sure right now there would be like if she was uh doing a am i the asshole post and <laughs> describe this to people literally every response would just be like tons of red flag emojis yeah like with a bunch of girl run <laughs> oh man yeah now the the one thing that i find really interesting about the story the thing that i really latch on to is the exploration of storm dealing with the loss of her powers because this is a fresh wound this is only like a day after she's lost her powers she at one point she is losing the will to live she's actually like what if i i, I don't know if i'm even gonna go on but what i find like the thing that really enticed me about it is that when there's storms outside there's like a there's a rainstorm coming and she sees it but she can't feel it, which is her power connected her to all the, the, the storms coming in, the moon, the tides, all that sort of stuff. And the fact that she can't feel it, it's like her body has been crippled. And that to me was really interesting, especially since, as I talked about before, for years she didn't let her emotions in because they affected her, her abilities. Hell, like it was even covered in that uh, Black Panther story we covered when uh, when T'Challa went missing. And uh, Shuri shows up and is like, why the hell is it raining here? And then she walks in and it's Storm sitting there. She's like, oh, you're She's upset. having a bit of a mood. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> at that time, of course, Storm never let herself have moments like that like she does now. And so she's finally allowing motions to come in. And she's finally allowing these two worlds to come together. And then one world is completely snatched away. And that is what is, you know, really exciting in the end when she does find out that Forge has been deceiving her, the point where she says, I may never get my powers back, but I will fly again. And she walks away. That's like, that's the moment where I feel like she's finally deciding, okay, this terrible thing is happening, but I'm going to take agency and I'm not going to give up being the person who I am. And I think like that last scene where she just walks away from Forge, it's like, fucking right on like that's a gut punch it's that's as um some it's might say this deserves. is real real comics you know it's like when you get down to the deep character shit and, and other deep character shit while i had my caveat at the beginning about how she's portrayed one thing that they do here is show even in sort of their little swimming contest she's strong without her powers so and we know that she has the uh mano a mano with scott for the leadership without powers at another time and another place and yeah. another run issue two one yeah but we do set the the precedent here that yes she's not connected to her the weather part of mutant powers but she did not skip arm or leg day no <laughs> it wasn't all like lightning bolts only in the danger room that she was putting in that work like she's got well she's back. six foot tall like i remember yeah. we had chris claremont on geek card years ago and we talked about the X-Men movie and he said, he goes, oh, it was amazing. We had a, a five, three character and a six foot character. We just switched them in the movie. Wolverine's the six foot character and the storm's five, three. He goes, in the comics, I had it the other way around. So she's this goddess. Like she really yeah. is like a statuesque, like better looking than a supermodel type woman who has the fierce abilities of your greatest athlete. Yeah. Yeah. 
so they do show that and again in her her i like yukio drag more that's like the perfect kind of look for just showing she's strong regardless however she is very subject as you said to her emotions and her known weaknesses including as we see her in the space in the beginning where everything's clear that's probably great for her you know space issues but then as she's starting to have problems he starts making things visible and almost trying to trap her within the house yeah and we get that the claustrophobia it's not as overt but knowing her character seeing it go from the beginning where it's all easy breezy all clear glass it's you know what it's kind of like the cullen house in twilight like just very open <laughs> <laughs> but then it's it, your references are all over the place today <laughs> they really are they really are and this but that's what reading this is like it's it's a little bit of everything and it i do love that they're I can't call this a relationship. Their their situationship. I think situation should say it's so fraught and so messy. And there's not many characters in this. Like we see the background of Kyrich, we see uh, you know, Charles on the phone, we see a couple other things like the other or the phone and cerebro phone, like where's where's our girl at? We got a little little rogue coming in to be messy as she always is. She's just like that messy little sibling that's just always causing shenanigans. Yeah. I think she's trying to help, but she's not. But she does, but she's not. Oh my god. Another note. While again, I like how kind of muscle, but like not big muscle. It's not like they drew like male football players and threw boobs on them, which can sometimes happen, but they're just like they're very like wiry and lean same with rogue's body but the hair terrible rogue's hair in this <laughs> it was the 80s <laughs> yeah you're right and yeah forge's uh deep v-neck sweater as well isn't doing him too many favors and his his dad jeans coming up so high but whatever it's cute yeah it's forge cute is also another character who would end up looking better in the like physically in the comics as he appeared more often i mean this is i one of the biggest things that's like Forge, you were really punching above your weight class without lying to this woman about how she ended up in this situation. You needed to tell her the truth because, baby, baby, this is not it. This is not your best look. <laughs> so this issue was a big hit amongst X-Men fans. So much so that a year later, well, they bring Barry Windsor Smith back to do another one-shot story focusing on Storm's character, and they titled it Life, Death 2. And it takes place when Storm decides to take a break from the X-Men and go back to, which they don't really define as anything more than East Africa. They don't exactly say which country. It's just roughly the eastern part of Africa. And she ends up getting caught in a, uh, a disaster, which at the moment causes her, she, she doesn't have any food or water. She goes into a state of delirium, has kind of hallucinations based on the things she was dealing with internally. And then she comes across a bus that was taken off the road during the sandstorm. And there's a woman who's alive in her. Her name is Shani. And she is a young pregnant girl who had left her tribe because she was going to have a life with this, uh, this man who is now dead. And so she's trying to make her way back to her tribe, but she doesn't know if they'll accept Shani's story is obviously a metaphor for what Storm's going through internally. And it's kind of, it's a, it's a nice parallel to show what Storm's going through internally manifested as another person's story that she involves in. 
But there's been a lot of complaints about this issue over the years, not so much back then, but now on the decision of the presentation of Africa, that it was, it's a very Western view of an impoverished Africa that, you know, is not up to the standards of the West. And what I like though, is that later on when she meets one of the elders, the elder talks about how, you know, the meeting of the technology with the meaning of traditions, that both of them are bullshit unless you find a way to, you know, live between them. You know, that you take what take what's good from both sort of thing. And oh, yeah, kind of, this this group of people, they're big on balance. Yes, they're big <laughs> on balance. One in, one out <laughs> yeah, exactly. She helps Shani get back to her tribe. She gives birth to the baby, and as soon as the baby's born, the elder leaves the tribe because they want to make sure that it's the same number of people so that the same amount of food and lodging and everything can help the tribe. So this old man goes out to die. Before he does, Storm and him have a deep conversation in which Storm realizes that she's the person that can marry the old ways and the new ways and be a leader. And like, I feel like the story is really good in this. It has its problems, but it does a really good job of kind of like Storm at the end of it, realizing what she's supposed to do with her life. Again, the same mixed reviews on the visuals, but the strength in the way she's portrayed consistently great. The cover in the fit that she's wearing Perfect. It is. It's in conversation. I recently saw a woman reviewing like recent top fits of Storm. This would be definitely in her kind of punk era, her her drag king era. This would be definitely in top 10 looks, the kind of sleeveless vest and the boots and the leggings and the sort of double wrap around belt, short gloves. It's just, it's, it's so great. Also, the big traveling cloak slash bathrobe look that she's doing when she invites the woman literally into her embrace to help her shamble back to the village after she's pretty toe up after the bus crash. It's another out of, out of bounds reference. Very hustlers, JLo, climb into my fur moment. <laughs> Because she's fully naked underneath it and she okay. just opens I just, it up. I want to jump wraps. in here for a second <laughs> and say that very early on in my friendship with Petula, it was only shortly before the film Hustlers came out that I became friends with Petula. After Petula saw Hustlers, it somehow got worked into almost every conversation I had with her for two years. But anyway. So because of that, even if he hadn't seen it, he wouldn't know the reference. Yeah, yeah. So that climbing to my fur moment. But it is. It's very, like, this is the strong kind of, she's not just a goddess. She's sort of its mother, its protector. And she's using her own body and the last scraps of fabric she has on her to help envelop somebody else when Jenny says, I'm cold. And again, you just have that moment of if she was at her full force in her full power, the ability to warm or cool somebody else would just be a snap of a finger and, you know, flip of an eye to white and Bob's your uncle. And here, here we are. And she uses her own body to do what she would have done with her powers for somebody. Like, so while some of the visuals still problematic, the, the way they use her body to protect, love that and love the way they portray that visually. And this cloak sort of constantly moving as they're uh, doing this pretty treacherous journey back to this woman's home they're still giving you that kind of motion that you're used to seeing with storm whether she's sort of airbound or doing one of her cape or cloak looks but they're just doing it with this 
big sort of again cloak slash bathrobe slash andre leon tally level enclosure of garment <laughs> that she's just <laughs> sweeping through yeah and and with regards to the portrayal of uh the continent i'm not even gonna y'all know this was always a mess back then but what i do like is that they they show the everyone is full people like they have a story there's conversations yeah, Shani it's not, is like, a full character for a character that only yeah. appears in one issue you get to know her the same thing with the um the elder what's is it uh Where's the name? I can't. I don't I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce the it name either. they made up, and I don't think it's a real thing. So yeah. let's just leave it there. But yeah, but the yeah. elder as well. He there's a there's a level of depth to uh, character that's only there for a number of pages. Like you get to know these characters, you get to feel for them, which is kind of rare in issue to issue comics of a character that was only going to be in one issue and isn't like the main villain or something like that, you know? Absolutely. And and just showing perhaps let's not look at this as trying to be Africa. Let's just look at this uh, fictional place they made up with interesting people and their own customs. And then it's actually a lot easier for me to give it a bit more grace and say they created an interesting culture that she happens across. And in aid of this woman, we do see their humanity that their their culture is not like oh these savages don't know any better but there is a a reason a pretty in terms of if you think of climate change and what we do the environment now a much more uh staying in balance with uh, what we consume and what we give back approach to the entire community oh yeah yeah now overall i really enjoyed these stories even with their problems i felt like they were good show pieces for storm and her character a good you know dissection of what she was going through at the time but also just as uh as like a good single issue story for both of them they were compelling they were interesting and we're kind of doing something a bit deeper than what other even issues of uncanny x-men were doing at the time yeah and it just goes to show again like storm is such a compelling character there's always been a lot there to work with and I feel like that is one thing I really appreciate about the current era in the comics is while sometimes she does get sidelined a bit, when she does get to have a moment, all of these things that are baked in from back in the day, that she's strong in the face of shenanigans, that she's a natural leader, that she will care for people, that she could also be messy and get in messy situations because uh, her... You know, let's not blame her. Messy people seem to be drawn to her. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, she didn't really yeah. ask for anything in these two these two stories. Definitely not. Yeah, yeah. She was just shambling along a road, and she came across like a whole allegory for life, death, balance, and uh, rebirth. But that's how she do. Yeah, that's how she do. Definitely. I think uh, if you get a chance, check them out. As Petula mentioned, they're available on the Marvel app. Uh, Marvel Unlimited. But also, hey, if you're at a comic shop, you might be able to track down these issues as well in the old back issue bins. Come to the end of this episode of Back Issue Bloodbath. Petula, where can the good folks find you? At initiative.com on social things. At Obescantavit, O-B-E-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-I-T. And here with you. Of course, you can find everything I do over at geekcardshow.com. Follow me on Twitter at Geekard, follow me on Instagram at Andrew underscore of underscore geek underscore hard. And of course, you can find this very show on Facebook at Back Issue Bloodbath, where we post the new episode every week. 
And the easiest way to make sure you don't miss an episode is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. And while you're there, leave a five-star rating and review and, you know, go out there and tell some people about the show as well, because it's fun. You want more people to hear us talk about Storm and her fits and whatnot. This has been Back Issue Bloodbath. I've been Andrew Young. I'm Tonya. Have yourself a good...